Thank you, Candy. Thank you, worship team. Didn't they do a great job? <laughs> Rocking the house. I like it. Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you that don't know me, I'm Pastor Mike. Um, for those of you that do know me, I'm still Pastor Mike. <clears throat> I'm going to get right into Scripture, and then, uh, and then we'll pray, and we'll talk about where we're going this morning. Acts chapter 17, verses 16 through 28, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled by the idols he saw everywhere in the city. He went to the synagogues to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles, and he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. He also had a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. When he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, what's this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas he's picked up? Others said, he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. They took him to the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. You are saying some rather strange things, and we want to know what it's all about. It should be explained that all the Athenians, as well as the foreigners in Athens, seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines... And one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God, whom you worship without knowing, is the one I'm telling you about. The people of Athens were so worried about displeasing one of the multiple deities that they worship, that they had an altar as a coverall. To an unknown God, in case we missed one, let's, let's just have this safety net. They worshipped the ideology of all things. All things are possible. All gods are probable. Better to have a coverall just in case we miss one and upset it. And then Paul, I just love this scripture, Paul magnificently uses this catch-all God to explain the one true God and Jesus Christ. How sad, though, to go through your life worshiping so many gods and miss the one true God. We're in a series called Deeper. And I believe that we all want to go deeper in our walk with God. That's why... People are watching online. That's why you've come here today. I guess as a pastor, I choose to believe if you're here physically or virtually, it's because you want to get deeper. You want to go deeper with God. You want to know God more. You want more of God in your life. I choose to believe that. I don't hope nobody's just getting up on Sunday morning or watching online because that's what you do on Sunday. I, I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit that it's deeper than that. And that's what this series is all about. These Athenians didn't know God. They knew a lot of little gods with a little G, 
fashioned from wood or stone, but they didn't know the living God until Paul. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this scripture, and we're not done with this scripture, and I thank you for your holy presence with us here this morning. And Father, I pray for, for each person that's here, for those who are watching online, for those who will watch later, and for myself. Father, I pray that we would seek to go deeper, that we would seek to know you more, to have a deeper, better walk with you. Father, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would just invade this place, invade our hearts, invade our minds, push out the darkness, push out anything that can get in the way of us knowing you more, Father, going deeper with you, so that our eyes, our ears, our heart, our spirit is focused on what you would say to us this morning. Father, we seek transformation. We don't have to invite you in. You're in. Thank you for your holy presence. In Jesus' name, amen. I like the way the NIV puts verse 23. It says, Now what you worship as something unknown I am going to proclaim to you. I like the word proclaim. There's a forcefulness about the word proclaim. And the reason that Paul can proclaim the Lord is because he has experienced the Lord in a very deep and profound way. Most of us know the story of Paul. He began as a persecutor of the church in Jerusalem. He was going after, they weren't called Christians at that time, followers of the way, Jesus Christ. And he was indiscriminate. He would, men, women, children, he didn't care. He'd drag them out of their houses, imprison them. Sometimes they were stoned because he believed he was doing the right thing for the Lord. And that this whole Jesus thing was just an uprising. And he gets permission to take the show on the road. And he's going to go to the towns and, and weed out the Christians. And he's on his way to Damascus. And this very Lord that he's persecuting knocks him on his backside <laughs> and blinded him and then he speaks to Paul he tells Paul that he is going to suffer much that he would die for the Lord painfully can you imagine that you you feel like you're devout you're, you're doing what God has called you to do you're ridding the the, the world of of these heretics and Jesus knocks you over, blinds you, and says, why are you persecuting me? And we don't get it in the first account, but if you read subsequent scriptures, we find out that, that at that time, he tells Paul, you're going to proclaim me to the nations. And by the way, Paul, you will suffer greatly for it, and you will die a horrible death. Whew. Paul knew the Lord in a terrifying way. He opposed the Lord. He was claimed by the Lord. He was called by the Lord. He was sent by the Lord to suffer greatly for the Lord and ultimately die for the Lord, but most importantly, to proclaim the Lord. I mean, that's deep. That's a pretty deep relationship with God right there. To go from enemy of the Lord to proclaimer of the Lord and ultimately martyr for the Lord. And here he is proclaiming this God that knocked him over to these Athenians. 
Now, what you worship is something unknown. I am going to proclaim to you, back to the NLT, He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since He is Lord of heaven and earth, He doesn't live in man-made temples in human hands. Oh, and human hands can't serve His needs, for He has no needs. He Himself gives life and breath to everything, and He satisfies every need. Now, I just remembered something. There are sermon notes, and I was rather tardy. Now, I'd like you to get sermon notes. If you don't have a copy, raise your hand, and we'll get them to you. Bob is at the back, one over here, over here. Anybody else? Right here. One up the front here, Bob. Anyone else need sermon notes? Okay. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. Let me say that again. He satisfies every need. You know, needs and wants, they can so easily get confused. I mean, how much do we live out of our want, believing it to be a need? How much of our lives is dedicated to our wants, our vanities, our our self-centered desires? You know, the the problem for us is that that we live in a wants-centered society, culture. It's just pumped at us all the time. You deserve a break today. How many of us this morning thought about what we want for breakfast? Do I want toast? Do I want cereal? Do I want pancakes? Do I want to go here? Do I want to go here? We thought about what we want for breakfast. Don't even think about that. How many of us adjusted the AC to the temperature we want or hope to get? When you went to the closet and you got dressed, you thought about what you want to wear. You thought about how you wanted to look, what shoes you wanted to put on. And some of you may have even thought about where you want to go to church. What do you want to listen to today? What do you want to, how do you want to praise? And some are probably already thinking about what you want for lunch. Where you want to go for lunch. Or what you want to do later in the day. Not that there's anything wrong. Not that there's anything wrong with those wants. I mean, thank you, God, that we didn't get up this morning wondering about our needs, right? As many do. You you think of a whole, I've been thinking about the homeless in this heat. I heard a statistic that 50% of all heat-related deaths are homeless people. And they're seeking shelter, some place to cool off. That's a need. Getting something to drink, it's a need. A bite to eat, it's a need. I think about the single mom who's worried about having enough money to pay the power bill. That's a need. Thank God most of us are not faced with trying to get our needs met. See, the problem with wants, though, our wants sometimes become our gods or our idols. You might not think of them as gods or idols, may not see them that way, 
But they're gods and idols because we serve them. We all have wants we serve to one degree or another. You know, we want people to think well of us. That's a biggie sometimes. We'll make adjustments in our lives to make sure that people think well of us. We all have wants we serve. Many of them, you know, people do in secret. But they're a want. Here's the danger. And it's a double danger because those with power and influence over our lives know this. If we allow our wants to take control, they become a need. They become a must-have. That's what addiction is all about. You know, a drug addict or an alcoholic serves the physiological response that the chemical of their choice gives to their body. It was a want, but it's become a need. And they'll go to great lengths, great cost to fill that need, want. And we go to great lengths to serve the want that has become a need in our lives, the need for popularity sometimes, the need for acceptance, the need for importance, the need to look good, the need to be appreciated, the need for security maybe, to be thought well of. Some people have a need for authority. Some people have a need for independence. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Companionship. Or simply the need to escape. I need to escape. i got to get out of here. And I love this passage of Scripture. The Lord says, if you will surrender your wants to me and trust and serve me, I will satisfy your needs, your every need. I mean, oh, to truly own that. If we truly own that, how many lives would be changed? How many lives would be saved If we truly owned that thought, my God, I believe that you can take care of all of my needs. You need to be my want. Nothing else. Paul continues, verse 26. He says, from one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. And Paul is building this image to these people that have so many gods of this one magnificent God, the Lord. And he's describing the sovereignty of God. He is over all things. All things are held together in his hand. Nothing happens outside of this God. And he's describing the mystery of God. Verse 27, he says, his purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. It it really is a mystery to me. The Lord is sovereign over everything, and yet in his sovereignty, he gives us the choice to seek him or not. And he is close by, is what it's saying. If you would, but open your eyes. I just This idea, I, I, gosh, I can see this in my life so many times, of stumbling toward God. It's just, perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. 
And this is why we need people in our lives, because sometimes we're stumbling in the darkness and, and, and we're trying to get to God, and, and sometimes we need that person that's closer to God to say, over here, oh, over there, got to go over there. For in him we live and move and exist. How do you, I love this, how do you describe the indescribable? This is what Paul is trying to do. You know, as you look through Scripture, especially if you go back to the original languages, the Hebrew, the Greek, and the Aramaic, there are literally hundreds of descriptions or names for God in the Bible. I I did a bunch of research on this week. One site that I went to had 967 names for God. And the reasons for these names is because you can't describe the indescribable. All you can really describe is how the indescribable has impacted your life. Some of the songs that we sang this morning talked about that. I am a child of God. God the Father. There are actually only two names. Now, if you've got more, come tell me afterwards. There are only two names that I could see in the Old Testament that God ascribes to himself. So this is in your notes, if you've got your notes there. One is Yahweh. He tells Moses, you're going to be my spokesperson. You're going to go to the Israelite people, and you're going to tell them, that you're going to bring them out of Egypt, out of slavery, into a new world. And, and he says, um, well, what if, what if they ask me who you are? Let me read the scripture. It says, but Moses protested. This is Exodus 3, 13 and 15. If I go to the people of Israel and I tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they'll ask me, what's his name? Now, this hasn't come up in the scriptures until this point. What's his name? I really want to know if you know this guy. What's his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to be, to remember for all generations. Yahweh literally means existence or the existing one. Tell them that existence has sent you. It speaks of the eternal nature of of God. Outside of God, nothing. No God, nothing. Nothing. There is no existence outside of God. No God, no anything. There's good grammar for you. This is the eternal God. This is existence itself. And this is what Paul is telling him. For in him we live and move and exist. Yahweh. Yah is the short form found in many of the other descriptors of God that literally means God. God's not a name. It's a title. It's where we get words like hallelujah, praise to God. That's what that means. The other name that the Lord ascribes to himself is El Shaddai. 
El again means God. And in Genesis 17, 1, it says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him, in, him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. Pretty self-explanatory. El God Shaddai Almighty. I'm not one of these little G-gods. I'm the God. I am God Almighty. I am the everlasting God. There's nothing bigger than me. There's nothing more powerful than me. There's nothing that lasts as long as me. I hold everything together. I'm that God. Don't be mistaken, Abram. All the other names that you see, especially in the Old Testament, and in the New Testament, actually more in the New Testament, are expressions of our experience of him. For instance, there are two in Genesis 16. Genesis 16 is the account of Hagar. She's a servant girl, servant of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Sarah can't have children because she's a servant. She gives Hagar to Abraham so that she will have children through her servant, so she's got kids. And it all goes down the road. You can imagine how it goes. It goes south pretty quick. And Sarai starts to treat Hagar very bad. And Hagar runs away, and she's out in the desert, pregnant, alone, amongst the wild animals. And she settles down beside a, a, a spring. A spring comes up, and she settles down beside the spring, and, and she's calling on God, and an angel appears to her. It says, Hagar, go back to Sarai. It's like, oh, are you serious? Go back. This child that you are bearing is going to be the father of a great nation. Ancestry was a big thing back then. If you were the, the mother or the father of a great nation, you were an important person. And the angel says, you're going to call this, this son Ishmael which means God will hear or God hears. So there's a, a description of God right here. God hears. What did he hear? He heard her prayer for help. So the name Ishmael is a constant reminder, God hears. But Hagar, oddly, from that day forwards, refers to God as El-Ruhi, which means God of seeing. God who sees all things because God saw her distress. And from the rest of her life, it says, that was her name for God. God who sees, God who saw me more specifically, who heard me, who rescued me. So her name for God, El, was derived from her experience of God. David, another one, shepherd boy. Learned to take care of the sheep up on the hill. Fought a lion. Fought a bear. Protected the sheep. And as he grew in his relationship with God, he realized that God had the same relationship with him as he had with the sheep. So he gave God the title of shepherd. Yahweh Rohi. The Lord, our shepherd. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Abraham, when he was commanded to sacrifice his son Isaac in Genesis chapter 22, his only son, the promised inheritance to him. 
And God says, go up and sacrifice your son. And in obedience, he goes up there. He's got the knife. He's got rope. He's got everything ready to sacrifice his son. And then the Lord sends a ram. And Abraham prays to God. And he calls him Yahweh Jireh or Jehovah Jireh. And it means Yahweh the Lord will provide. He is my provider. And that name became the most commonly used name for God by the Hebrew people. The Lord provides. Like I said, there's 967. I'm not going to go through all 967. But they're all expressions of who God was to these people. Their experience of God. And I've listed some. I've got in your sermon guide. The New Testament is absolutely resplendent with these descriptions. Why? Because God came down in the form of Jesus Christ and walked with us. All of a sudden, it was like major experience of God. In the flesh experience of God. And we've got four Gospels of Jesus speaking and teaching. And so many descriptors he gives of himself. I have a poster. Like What you've got on your sermon notes there is a copy of my poster. I've got one in my office framed that my wife gave me. And I've got one in my office at home of of the names of Jesus, some of the names of Jesus, 54 different ones with the scripture references, advocate, lamb of God, the resurrection and the life, shepherd and bishop of souls, judge, Lord of lords, man of sorrows, head of the church, master, faithful and true witness, rock, high priest, the door, living water, bread of life. Rose of Sharon, Alpha and Omega, the true vine, Messiah, teacher, holy one, mediator, the beloved, branch, carpenter, good shepherd, light of the world, image of the invisible God, the word, chief cornerstone, savior, servant, author and finisher of our faith, the almighty, everlasting father, Shiloh, the lion, of the tribe of Judah, I am King of Kings, Prince of Peace, Bridegroom, Only Begotten Son, Wonderful Counselor, Emmanuel, Son of Man, Dayspring, the Amen, King of the Jews, Prophet, Redeemer, Anchor, Bright Morning Star, the Way, the Truth, and the Life, Jesus Christ. But here's the question that I've got for you today. Because I'm just listing off a bunch of names to you, which means nothing about going deeper, right? So here's the question I got for you. Who is he to you? If you were to tell someone, if you were to write down a descriptor descriptor of, of God, of Jesus Christ, who is he to you? What would your descriptor be? How has he impacted your life? To David, he was a shepherd. To Abraham, he was the provider. To Hagar, he was the one who saw her distress. Who is he to you? I've been asking people this question this week. I received some interesting responses. Some of I wasn't expecting. Stabilizer. That's interesting. And the person came back to me next day and said, the more I thought about that, that's what it is. He is the stabilizer of my life. Comforter. I'm sure a lot of people would have that one. Truth and love. 
loving comforter and freeing father. And I like this one. My sister gave me this one. Loving challenger. I like that one because I like ones that push you into something. Loving challenger. And for me, it's waymaker. You know, when you see the scriptures, I am the way, the, the way maker. What would you say? What would your name for the Lord be? Here's the takeaway from today's study deeper. I want to read those last two verses again. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. It is God's desire and plan for you to know him. They had all these gods. All these shrines. All these idols to gods. And, and this one shrine to an unknown God. And Paul comes and says, you missed the real God, but he's right there. If you would just but open your eyes and seek him, he will reveal himself to him to you and you will know him deeply. And he has positioned himself close by. If you want to begin a deeper walk with the Lord, seek to go deeper with him. So here's the application for the day, all right? This week, and I think I put this in the outline, this week, pick one or two of the names that we've explored or even the name that you have that you would ascribe to Jesus from your experience from, and meditate on that name this week. Focus in on that name this week, whatever characteristic of the Lord that it is. Think about how that aspect of the Lord relates to your life and pray to him through this week using that name, okay? That's your homework. This is how we get deeper with God is when we personalize God, when we don't just go to God with our shopping list of needs, when we give God a name that means something to us and begin to pray through that and, and what it means in our lives. And God, I want to go deeper. Maybe pick one that's more challenging and pray about the application and seek to live it out. For in him we live and move and exist. You know, for me, I said, my title is Waymaker. And the reason, I'm not going to get into it in any depth, the reason that Waymaker is, is the one that I would choose is I've looked at as I look at my life, there are so many times when God has made a way when there is no way. And he's carved a way through the desert, carved a way through the rock where there is no way. He's made a way to the point that when you talk to people about it, you can't take God out of the picture because without God, this does not happen. And it's happened over and over and over in my life. Now, the practical application of this for me, and this is where I want to challenge you to, to really pray through this. If God is my way maker, what way is God making in my life right now? Because if he's making a way in my life right now, he expects me to take that way. 
which always requires faith. And it's usually pretty scary. Because if he made a way, there's no human way. There's only the God way. Yahweh. And in that way, glory is given to his name. As we live out Christ, the Lord, in our lives, we proclaim to those around us who he is. Not by what we say, but by who we are in him. They look at us and they see something and it's like, I don't know what's going on in that person's life. But man, whoa, I want me some of that. What's going on with you? His way, Christ's way. It's gone. <laughs> so we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of His call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. Then the name of our Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live. And you will be honored along with him. This is all made possible through our God and Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. We have one purpose. Do you know what our purpose is? To bring glory to God. That's why we're here. Why do we bring glory to God? So that those that don't know God may stumble and feel their way into him and come to know him because of who we are in God. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, Yahweh, may glory and honor and praise be given your name. May your will be done in our lives as it is in heaven. Lord, I ask that you would enable us to live a life worthy of your call. May you give us the power to accomplish all the good things that our faith prompts us to do through the power of your Holy Spirit, that the name of Jesus would be honored because of the way we live through you. Lord, our prayer today is to go deeper. We want to know you more. We want to go deeper with you, God. And whatever that is, you, sometimes you do that through painful circumstances. Sometimes you do that just with your wonderful hand. You'll bring something into our lives that just blows us away. Sometimes it can be just... a a circumstance that's completely out of our control, that without you, Father, it's not going to happen. But you are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. Lord, I ask this week that you would just bring that name to us, your name in our lives, that we may know you deeper and proclaim your name to the nation. 
We pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. know about you, but uh, I have chills. What an awesome worship. Thank you, worship man. Yes, Candy looked at me and she goes, it's going to be different. And I said, I love different. Just don't have anybody sit in my chair. But no, thank you so much for being here. And, and gosh, what a praise. And then as far as the message, I don't know about you, but I still have chills. And Holy Spirit working in a mighty way today. Amen. I'm going to go ahead and call the ushers up. And after that, we're going to go over some of the... Uh, Bulletin notes. You know, in the past, I've always talked about how important it is to give up your troubles and uh, putting it in perspective as far as all the wants that we have that uh, creates desires that actually become our gods or even the times that we have as far as what we're thinking, what's on our mind, everything else. As the offering basket goes around, just know that God wants you. So he doesn't need our money. That helps support and build relationships among this community. He wants us. Dear Heavenly Gracious Father, Lord, as the offering basket comes around, Lord, I just ask that you bless these funds to honor and glorify you and to help build this kingdom at Lakeway. Lord, but as it goes around, if there's troubles, there's burdens, there are things on our mind, if there's wants that we put in front of you, Lord, I ask that we just jump in the basket, render ourselves, and say, Lord, we are yours. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So if you look in the back of the bulletin, there's several things. I'm going to talk about a couple of things that are just immediate and some things that you have to plan for. So I'm not going to go over everything, so please look at it. First of all, if you're uh, part of the festival, fall festival, we do have a meeting immediately after uh, this sermon. And then uh, if you want to be a part of that, just join us. We have actually a fall festival that we do later in the year. Love for you to be a part of that. Second thing of that is uh, it'll be in the fellowship hall. Lakes, which is right here back in the corner. Uh, Lakeside, back to school bash. Guys, what an opportunity. It's going to be August 12th, 5 p.m. at Stewart Peninsula. We actually rented out the pavilion. This is an opportunity for you to bring a guest. If you have a neighbor, if you have friends that are youth, high school, etc., bring them along. It's not just about Lakeway. It's not just about our kids. But it's also an opportunity to fellowship, invite somebody, allow them to understand how important our youth are and how important uh, they are to us in kingdom growth. So great time to fellowship and have fun. We are going to provide food, so be a part of something special. Uh, This is children. So if you have children, okay, correction. This is going to be for the children. So with that said, bring your children. Let's have some fun. Uh, The next one I want to talk about, uh, two ministry leads finally connected, uh, men's ministry and women's ministry, uh, emailed each other, and they said, hey, let's get together with a Rough Rider game, and I'm joking because it's my wife. Uh, (laughs) Hey, guys, this is going to take some planning. This is going to be August 18th at 7 p.m. We got tickets. We actually reserved a whole section at the Rough Riders game, and as I was talking to my wife, I said, this is an opportunity for outreach. So, if you use the scan bar there, scan code, you can actually sign up and buy tickets. However, for the first 10 tickets, we're going to donate. Here's the condition. If you have a neighbor, a friend, a relative that's not currently active in a church, invite them along. Pay for their ticket, 
give me or my wife Kelly the receipt and we'll pay for the first 10 tickets. And this is just an opportunity to outreach outside of saying, hey, come to Lakeway. Get to know us outside. Get to know us at Frisco Ballpark. Let you know who we are, what our hearts are all about, and let's have a great time. Sounds great? Absolutely. Looking to have a great outcome there. Also, women's ministry. Get a hold of my wife. Saturday, August 26, 1 p.m. They're actually going to have a uh, fellowship and crafting day where they're going to do wreaths. So you can talk to my wife more about that. And last but not least, register now. Man, September is coming just around the corner. Lakeway Women, you're actually having a retreat. This is an opportunity, and I joke around all the time, to get rid of your troubles, your pains, your suffering. So leave the kids, leave the husband behind, and go enjoy yourself at a retreat. Sign up in the foyer. Great opportunity. I know that it's changed my life for the last 25 years that I've been a part of the uh, men's or or men's retreat, and I know it's changed my wife's life. And... uh, over 36 years of marriage, so something has to be right. And so with that said, um, other things in the bulletin, let's go ahead and stand up and say a prayer and get you on your way. Dear Heavenly Gracious Father, Lord, you are the great I am. You're the alpha, you're the omega, you're the beginning, you're the end. Lord, you're the Lord of all lords. And I thank you. Lord, protect those in need. Give them the things that we constantly take for granted. Better yet, Lord, allow us to be that need. When we see opportunity, may it be a glass of water, a bottle of water, or something out there. Allow us to be instruments of your kingdom. To grow your kingdom and show the love that you give us so abundantly each and every day. And so often that we take for granted. Lord, protect us and guide us, but again, allow us to be the instruments of your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name we pray and we all say, God bless. Y'all have a great week.